Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing all right, too. I'm excited to chat with you about poetry and self-care and writing practice and everything else in between. But before we get started, can you please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm Jacqueline Suskin. I'm a poet and educator and really work on bringing poetry into an accessible place for people who might not think that they're poets. My experience with the healing power of words has been pretty expansive. And so my career has been over 12 years now of just writing poetry for a living and trying to inspire others to engage with the depths that that they can access through that kind of practice. Mm. Let's talk about the healing power of words. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that for us and let us know how words have transformed you in your healing and in your life? Yeah, I've always turned to writing, even as a child, as an outlet to kind of explore whatever it was I was feeling or what was happening in my life. As I've gotten older, it's allowed me to kind of look to my past and work through really intense traumas. And it's a container for healing for me. And also, I've gotten so much from other writers and reading poetry throughout my life has been such an important kind of cornerstone to figuring things out or finding affirmation and seeing myself reflected back on the page in the words of someone who I really respect or someone who's written work that has moved so many people kind of allows me to feel connected to this deeper meaning in life or something that, you know, is actually a collective and universal feeling and has been it's just been so affirmative for me. So that's inspired me to kind of want to carry that torch and mm-hmm. also write work that invites everyone in and shows them that there's a place for reflection and affirmation for them as well. Mm, I love that reflection and affirmation through poetry. So what do you tell students who come to you and say, I'm not a writer, I'm not a poet, and I'm scared about diving into this work? How do you instill confidence? I talk a lot about confidence because my practice, it requires uh, a lot of spontaneous writing. I had this project poem store for 11 years where I sat in public places and wrote poems on the spot for people and did it so quickly. And people always ask, how do you have confidence to, to do that? And I just tell them practice, just practicing my life with words and figuring out, you know, which direction can a poem take me and putting myself in the position to not only create the work, but also share it has just over time built up my confidence of the process and the magic that happens in that practice. And for sure, that involved fear in the beginning and taking a risk of putting myself out there and putting my ideas out there. But I think looking back over the trajectory of you know the poetic practice and other poets through time, that risk is usually part of what it takes to express your visions and, and you know be someone who kind of paves the way for others to do the same thing. Mm, That 
Oh my gosh, that's just so divine and really stunning to hear you say that. In your new book, Every Day is a Poem, Find Clarity, Feel Relief, and See Beauty in Every Moment. That book is by my bedside. It is so lovely and what really calls me to your work is the invitation to writing practice, which is something I offer in my work as well. And I want to talk with you about giving your readers this moment of pause and reflection after digesting something that you've written. And you write so stunningly and beautifully. And every prompt in your new book just resonates on a cellular level with me. So can you talk us through your new book and why you you feel it's important that the reader has space to digest and then create their own work after reading? Yeah, I felt like it was very clear to me that I was being asked to offer up the way my brain works. And people mm-hmm. were just constantly wondering, how do you create like this? I've written over 40,000 poems in the Poem Store Project. And folks are just constantly trying to connect with that idea of being prolific, but also just being able to quickly access their creativity. And I wanted to create you know, a source for them to pull from and also to remind them that it's a process and it's constant work and constant practice. And it does require, you know, I read poetry every day. And I have all these tools in the book that kind of explore like the practices that I'm dedicated to as an artist that help me then have time and space for my own work. And this balance of, you know, following a prompt or getting yourself started and allowing another artist to sort of usher you into that practice. And then that is followed by your own practice. And you kind of pull throughout, I think we all do this throughout our lives. We pull from inspirations and people who are, you know, our guides and our teachers. And mm-hmm. then after that, we take every little thread and weave it together. And then there is our own artistic practice. So the book kind of just tries to do some, you know, some invitations. There are invitations and permission for people mm-hmm. to kind of step into what it feels like to be a writer. And then also from that, following these exercises and prompts, they end up creating writing. And I I love to make sure that the emphasis for every day of the poem is not that I think everyone has to be a poet who writes things down, but more that I think it's beneficial for everyone to kind of carry the lens of a poet and be able to see the world as a poet sees the world, because then everything has such meaning and such depth. And that's just such a more, you know, it's just a beautiful way to live in the world. And it also creates all this space for new ideas and new visions. And and we need that. So we need everyone's poetic mindset to be sharp and and practiced, especially Mm. now. Over the years, you've you know written thousands and thousands of poems, you've built community, you've taught students, you've written books. What has poetry taught you about community care and how does that intertwine with your personal self-care practice? Well, I was recently rereading your book. I keep your book by my bed also after the rain. It's right next to my bed. And at some point in the middle of the night, I often have my big ideas. I'll wake up and go, oh, I, I got to write this down. And I always have a pen and paper by my bed. But for some reason, I left my notebook down in the living room and I thought, oh gosh, I have to write this idea down and your book was there. And so I wrote this in the back of your book, uh, which felt very appropriate. I'll read this. Um, Yes, please. Only the poem can hold the feeling. Only the poem can hold the feeling that I want to maintain. 
the severity, the sacred, the serious. It is the best container for this way of being. It makes a reliable home for it, a place to return to and find that vulnerability and openness preserved, protected, available. The human world, apart from a poem, is something that requires levity, humor, and many forms of distraction that branch off in connection and in care for one another. In the poem, I am free to set it all down, to only wander in the depths and bring back signs and symbols, to listen to all that's speaking beyond the human voice and carry it into language after listening so intently, abiding and making space for all that sings outside of the mind. I love that it ended up being in the back of your book because I love this focal point of, you know, self-care is community care, how often that returns to me when I think of how much care I'm giving to myself by allowing myself to have time to write and explore my inner world and explore all of this that things outside of my mind. And, you know, what that looks like to me is just if people give themselves that time and space, then they come up with the ideas and the soothing poems and the inspiring words and the visions for a better future and then that helps us all. So when you give yourself this time and space to create poetically, you're also, you know, that's an action for everyone. It, it can be, you know, it's meant to be shared. I want to talk about time and space, especially in the age of social media. Mm-hmm. How do you offer yourself time away from that phone screen, those emails, mm-hmm. those text messages, the likes and comments and all the things to allow yourself creative rest and opportunity to not be digesting so much of the world that comes up in, in the palm of our hand these days? How are you doing that? Yeah, I have a lot of pretty strict boundaries around it because I feel like that world takes away from my creativity more than anything ever has. And mostly because as I, I kind of tap into that a little bit and what I just read of that, this, these many forms of distraction, you know, these yeah. things that pull us away and we branch off from connecting and caring for one another because we're lost in comparisons or we're lost in the trend of the moment. And that's often the distraction from things that are actually calling for our attention. And I make a lot of boundaries around that. I never bring my phone into my bedroom. I always turn it off every night and I don't turn it on in the morning until I've done some sort of practice, whether that's, you know, like breath work or writing or some stretching or something to get my mind set in reality before I look into the world of my work on the screen, because that is a place of work. And I think allowing myself to just see it as that, like when I am engaged with this screen, I'm at work. And then when I'm not at work, I'm not engaging in that screen. And I think for some people, the screen can be a form of inspiration and it's not their work. They look to it for to read a poem or to receive some sort of knowledge from an artist that they respect and love. But for me, it helps to have it be this boundaried place where this is where I share my work and I engage around my work and then I turn it off and I don't look at it while I'm also receiving, you know, all these messages and ideas from that, which is beyond the human 
voice because everything in that screen is human. So Mm -hmm. as we wrap up, what is real and true and good for you these days? Um, the earth, always the earth, the garden, and just, just taking care of plants and listening to plants and letting plants kind of show me what I've been missing or pull me from distraction. And the, the world of the plant world is always very real to me. And then just the practice around um, just being with community and actually in this time of the pandemic of not being able to be with people, figuring out ways to be with people that feel Mm -hmm. safe and appropriate. And that's just so powerful to me to try and sift through and be safe and figure out what can I balance? and What can I manage? And can I sit with someone in the garden six feet apart and have a conversation and look into each other's eyes, even though we have masks on (laughs) and, you know, try to try to make these moments where I can feel that grounded sense of connection, which is not really possible through the phone. If you were mentoring your younger self, what would you tell her? How would you teach her? I would tell her that she doesn't have to be perfect, that she can just make mistakes and people will love her anyway. And that it's all right to not know that she doesn't have to know everything or how to do everything. And that that doesn't affect the future. She doesn't have to know. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.